The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yo, what is going on, Eagles fans? And welcome to a brand new podcast here on BGN Radio called the EPA Podcast. That is Eagles Player Analysis, led by myself, Victor Williams of thelibertyline.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff at the Philly Pod. That's where you can find me. And joined by Shane Half of the Painted Lines. You can find him on Twitter at Shane. It's not even Shane. It's half and half underscore TPL. I don't know what other platforms uh, you're on, Shane. You'll have to brush us up uh, uh, on that stuff. But happy to uh, start this new project with you. We'll be diving into all things X and O's on all things Eagles and potentially joined by a third co-host uh, uh, down the road. But for now, you have me, Victor, and you have Shane, and we'll be uh, keeping you guys informed on everything that's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles weekly for you, brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation. Shane. Put and put together that intro on the fly. How did how to sound? <laughs> that sounded pretty good. That sounded pretty good. Uh, I, I'm only on Twitter. I don't do the other social medias. I mean, oh, I have man. a Facebook that I don't post on. I guess you could check out my YouTube, but I can't even give you like a channel link because it's under 100 <laughs> subscribers. I just started it to put all 22 stuff on this season, so it's in my link tree on Twitter. Everything you want to find from me, it's in my link tree on Twitter. So go check it out there. Yeah, Linktree is the wave, man. If it's a nice uh, con- con- congest or uh, consolidated hub that where everybody can find him. So, yes, half and half underscore TPL on Twitter. Go ahead and follow Shane. He's been doing a great job breaking things down uh, as far as uh, player analysis, film, all that all that fun stuff. If you're a nerd of the game, definitely uh, well worth the, uh, the follow. So now for the, uh, the fun stuff, the Eagles remain the remaining unbeaten, the lone unbeaten team, rather, in the NFL at 6-0. and And it feels so much better. After we took it to the rival Dallas Cowboys, I don't care who was the quarterback. I don't care if it was Dak. I don't care if Romo came out of retirement. I don't care if it was Cooper Rush. I don't care if Ben DiNucci got signed again. The Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 26 to 17 to move to 6 and 0, heading into the bye week. And before we dive too deep into everything that uh, that happened in the game, Shane, just just general takeaways, general reactions of how you even feel. Jalen Hurts beats Dallas for I believe the first time in his career. Granted, it's not Dak Prescott, but it is the first step in kind of conquering that demon, getting the monkey off his back. And and the Eagles look like the team to beat in the NFC. What is just the initial reactions to uh, to taking down Dallas in week six? I think one of the biggest things, and we've known this for years, but just how important Lane Johnson is to the offense. I mean, the Eagles, 
up 20 to zero late in the second quarter. Obviously they give up that field goal that sets up or that, that kick return that sets up a field goal to make it 20 to three at half. But Lane Johnson going out with a concussion, the offense stalled out, right? They only gained 21 yards in their first two drives, the second half and Dallas scored on both to make it 17 to 10 in the first half of that game. Micah Parsons had zero QB pressures because Lane Johnson hasn't allowed a sack since like world war two. <laughs> In the second half, he had two pressures in five pass rushing snaps. So Lane Johnson's just huge for the offense, but the Eagles are able to weather the storm and and down Lane Johnson, a guy that we know is so important to the offense. They put up 26 points on a defense for the Cowboys that had not given up more than one touchdown in a game all season. So I think you walk away from this game and you feel good about the offense. You wish that they would be better in the second half, but you got to feel good about the offense overall, right? Yeah, you, there's not a lot of bad things you could say about the offense, especially in the second quarter. They're on pace to be the best second quarter team in football NFL history, <laughs> I believe. But to, but to your point, if you would have told me that Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, not that Lawrence has ever all that been all that successful to begin with, but if they combined for zero sacks in this game, you, I would have, I would have, I would have told you you were foolish because the way Michael Parsons, he's on Defensive Player of the Year trajectory. I know it's early, but he's he's one of the best defenders in the game, and for him to be rendered useless. By that, by that Philadelphia offensive line that was almost not fully intact to to, to begin this week. My lotta came in after missing the prior week, so it was good to uh, it was good to see that. You definitely do want to see some uh, some some second half uh, <laughs> scoring, some second half explosiveness. But but I'm going to assume, and we all know what assuming does. But I'm going to assume that they're going to figure that out. Uh, the, uh, down the, the Eagles averaged 21 points per game in the first half this season, and uh, they're at 5.8 points per game in the second half so you know there there could be it's a it's a week by week thing you look at some games they've just sort of parked the bus and they haven't tried to score not not that they're not trying to score but the offense changes in the second half I mean this is the second week in a row that they've had almost an eight minute drive to put a game away and I love that they can do that they're up 20 to 17 now they're sort of reeling the offense has not gained much in the second half. The Cowboys have scored two straight possessions, and they answer with a 13-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that eats just under eight minutes. And there was still a little bit of theatrics after that, but that essentially put the game away. And it's not the first time that we've seen them do that. And so I think people, there, there's concerns about how they come out of halftime. I think it is blown out of proportion a little bit. I mean, if you just look at the last three weeks in the fourth quarter, They've entered the fourth quarter with a seven-point lead on average, 7.6 points, and they've out-possessed the ball 10 minutes and 24 seconds to 436. So they're giving opposing offenses four and a half minutes time of possession in the fourth quarter to try to overcome a touchdown deficit. And they're not having a lot of possessions, thus not a lot of points. Now, there's some things to be concerned about. I would like for them to come out better in the third quarter, but the way that they're closing – the first half, the way that they're closing the second half, they're they're doing it at an elite level right now. Yeah, so the Eagles were up twenty to nothing at one point, and then they, of course, Dallas closes it to twenty to seventeen, and then to your point, they go on that thirteen play, seventy five yard drive and chew up seven minutes and thirty seven seconds on the clock. I mean, when you can do that, and the that what makes the Eagles so dangerous in my opinion, because they have so many facets on on offense. They can kill you. They can still be dominant on the run when they choose to. But even if they they can't be, they're playing a very good rush defense, then they have the weapons on the outside as evidenced by AJ and Devontae and Dallas Goddard and all the other guys 
that you can get killed with. But for them to be able to settle down and just whether it's Hertz or Miles or whoever they're using at the time and just just chew clock. It is it is that's how you win obviously playoff games down the road. And that's how that's how that's how you win in the trenches and that's how you win in cold weather and that's how you win in all these scenarios that the Eagles are going to be in, uh, especially when they come out of the bye week. And you think uh, about some of the other elite teams too in the NFL. Not that there's a lot. I mean, really, you have a clear top four, tier that's the maybe Chiefs. four. <laughs> I was gonna say I was the only gonna say three: the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles. Who do you have uh, as the four? Maybe Minnesota. I mean, we obviously beat maybe. them, but maybe like yeah, I guess you, you you have to like respect them at this point, even though we we beat them. But like they're five and one, so like you have to right. you have to at least pay attention to them. Sure, sure. But you think specifically about the Bills and the Chiefs, and that's who everybody's mm-hmm. trying to catch up to. Right. Both of those teams really struggle to run the football. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, it's explosive plays, all of that. Running the ball doesn't matter, except it kind of does in today's NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. eight of the 14 winning quarterbacks this week threw for under 200 yards. Defenses are are dropping two safeties deep. They're taking away explosive plays. And so sometimes you just need to be able to run the ball. If they're going to give you light boxes, which teams aren't even giving the Eagles light boxes, but if you're going to give a team a light box and they can't take advantage of it, that's where you see some of the inefficiencies for the Bills and the Chiefs. The Eagles don't have that problem. It makes them a more complete team, not necessarily a better team, but they're more complete in the aspect that they can take whatever you give them. They can be a vertical passing team. They can be a running team. They can be a quick game team. They can really do whatever they need to offensively, except yeah. except beat the Blitz. Except, yeah, man, that's something they're going to <laughs> have to figure out how to do uh, uh, down the road, hopefully. I do want to touch on on Jalen Hurts for a second because he's I know he started off hot and he was all in the uh, the MVP consideration and he's still uh amongst the league leaders in several categories uh passive rate and completion percentage uh total yards you know if we combine all the yardage all purpose yards he's third in the league as well as his uh I believe it's 12 touchdowns it's a six rushing and six passing he has I think to this point um, so that's also third in the league but I think the uh how do how do I word it I think the what makes his team special is the fact that Jalen Hurts doesn't have to be this dominant quarterback in order for them to succeed. And he hasn't been these last few weeks. And it doesn't even feel like he hasn't been because the offense is so explosive on so many levels. What do you think, what do you make of Jalen Hurts' first six weeks as as the his 2022 campaign has uh, has started to enter the bye week? Do you think, do you think that Jalen Hurts has reached a ceiling yet? Because the Minnesota game is probably obviously the, uh, the, uh, the, um, What's the uh, uh, what's the word? His, uh, his uh, yeah, the pinnacle, not not a ceiling per se, but that that's definitely where what what he's able to do. And then these last few weeks, he's been obviously a lot more conservative due to weather and and whatever the situation was. Arizona dialed dialed it up pretty good defensively against him. What do you make of Jalen Hurts six weeks into the season thus far? It's sort of been a tale of like I don't know two halves of the six weeks in the first three weeks. He was pushing the ball downfield. It was a vertical offense. They they were averaging eight point or his A dot was eight point six yards in the first three weeks. His for A dot us, for those of us that don't know what A dot is. Uh, <laughs> his myself average, included. <laughs> yeah, sorry, his average depth of target. So he was pushing the ball downfield. His average pass was traveling eight point six yards downfield the first three weeks. The last three weeks it's dropped to four point six which is the if you look at the season as a whole, that is the shortest by far. The second shortest is 6.2 with Kirk Cousins. So the last three weeks, he's been throwing the ball really short. And it's, there's been reasons for that. The Cardinals are a blitz-heavy team. 
It was a banged up offensive line. You can't take the vertical shots. The Cowboys have a tremendous pass rush, not that they're blitz heavy, but they have such a good pass rush. And so they've been forced to adapt. They started the year as a vertical passing team. They were pushing the ball downfield and they haven't done that the last three weeks. I don't think that they're done trying that. Like I think that that's what they want to be. It's what they open the year as, but it's again, it just shows their adaptability. Hertz raises the floor for this offense mm -hmm. to a really high level. And, and that's why you see these mobile quarterbacks is what everybody wants. Now you don't want the statue pocket passer anymore because they don't have the ability to turn a bad play into a good play. I posted one particular clip on Twitter yesterday where Jordan Mailata just gets instantly beat off the snap. He takes a horrible pass set, the guys around him at the snap. Nor a normal quarterback that's coming from your blind side, you're going to take a sack. They were in the shotgun. That's all of a sudden you go from first and 10 to second and 18. But Hurts senses that pressure and he's able to get out of the pocket and he throws it away. So a horrible rep from your left tackle it becomes second and 10 instead of second and 18. And those are the things that Hertz does so well. He raises the floor for the offense. Um, his legs are such a huge asset, even when he's not running the ball a lot. You saw against the Jaguars that they consistently just negated heavy box counts by making Hertz responsible for someone in the run, leave the defensive end unblocked and Hertz is responsible for reading him out. You do it in the passing game. They do it with the blitz game. And you know, I would like to see them have some better answers to the blitz than, hey, Jalen Bayless out. And I hope that's coming. I feel like I saw that the beginnings of that in the Dallas game. But he's he's exceeded my expectations for this year. This is I a player that's consistently gotten better over the course of his career. And I thought he was probably nearing that ceiling last year. And he's taken a big leap this offseason. So it's great to see. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the most important stat of the mob Jalen Hurts is just the two turnovers that he has this season and uh, granted I think they were both off off the hands of receivers I remember the one I think it was Gainwell I don't I don't recall the other one uh but combined fumbles combined interceptions just two turnovers for Jalen Hurts and you taking care of the football goes a long way and I know that uh people like to people like to uh coincide that with uh game managers and whatnot just don't lose us the game but Jalen Hurts does a very good job of taking care of the football and I've been impressed with what I see Myself, as a guy who wanted to see what Jalen Hurts could be in 2022 and not be so quick to ship him out the door, with each passing week, I'm more and more certain that the Eagles are going to find some other plans with those uh, with those first round picks, whether it's Brian Burns, whatever the, whatever the pipe dream is going to be. Uh, I think I think as every, each week goes by, it's really hard to see the Eagles not moving forward with with Jalen Hurts at least for the next maybe you know short term future. I don't know about 10 plus years. But uh, as 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 far as the immediate future, I think Jalen Hurts is going to uh, at least be in Philadelphia. To flip on the young players on the defensive side, I know we are strong, <laughs> we have strong opinions on what's going on along the defensive line. Um, the there was much outrage made about Jordan Davis's snap count in the beginning of the season. I haven't seen the updated ones yet yet this week, but we do see uh, we're starting to see inklings of more and more Jordan Davis. I know they aren't using him in certain fronts and they're trying to use him in, in different scenarios. You probably know more than I do about alignments and when Jordan Davis is being used. Uh, but what do you make of the defensive rotation? Fletcher Cox is looking gassed at times as much highlighted by the clip you uh, <laughs> you put out. This man is watching Zeke just run by him. I don't know if he just doesn't have the energy to dive anymore or I don't I don't know what it is. But what do you make of the uh, of the defensive front and the rotations that we're seeing with Davis, Hardgrave, and Cox, and not a lot of uh, 
Milton Williams chatter this year. He was a guy I really thought was going to step up, and I'm not I'm not hearing his name too often. What's going on there? Yeah, it's a surreal feeling. I, I tweeted that clip, and then I went to go do some math tutoring for a family, and I came back, and that clip had blown up, had like 50,000 oh, views. Man, any and... clip that shows somebody not giving effort in Philadelphia, it's going to go. Just ask me in, about the, the AJ not tackling on that pick six. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had like a bunch of Eagles fans in the comments mad at me. It's like, yeah, but y'all lost. And I was like, first of all, I'm not a member of the Cowboys organization. Second of all, it's not even who I cover. I'm talking about yeah. the Eagles. And, yeah. But yeah. So kind of so kind of dive into what that clip was supposed to highlight for those of us that just thought you were slandering the other uh, team. Not me personally, but for, for those for the people that thought you just wanted to slander Fletcher Cox. What did that play highlight and how is it rectified moving forward? Yeah, so so the clip, it's it's the Zeke Elliott touchdown. They're down in the red zone. Uh, Cox is lined up. Uh, I believe he was a one-tech on the play. I'd have to pull it up again. He might have been the three, whatever. He's lined up as a defensive tackle in one of their four-man fronts, and he just gets, he gets pushed like 10, 12 yards by Terrence Steele, totally washed out of the lane. Now, people were asking, Avante Maddox like runs right across it and saying he has no awareness, but he was playing man coverage on a receiver that was – running that little scrape route under the formation, just like A.J. Brown did twice in this game. So Maddox isn't in the run fit. Kevon Wallace does a horrible job of filling the hole, but you're just not used to seeing Fletcher Cox get pushed 10 to 12 yards like that. And it wasn't even Zach Martin, It's which that's what people would say. He didn't have a great game. He was up against Zach Martin, but this was Terrence Steele that did that to him. And Steele's been a decent player for them, but he shouldn't be doing that to Fletcher Cox. Cox has played... I think it was he's played 70 plus percent of the snaps three weeks in a row. And it's not good. I, th- this isn't an anti Cox thing. Like, yeah, Cox isn't the player that he used he's to be. He's been good this year, I thought. He's had a stellar yeah, start to the year, I think. He, he's been good as a pass rusher. I feel like he's not been very good as a run defender. Uh, but oh, part of that is how the Eagles are. Yeah. And part of that's how the Eagles are structuring their defense. But to ask this guy to play 70 plus percent of the snaps when you have a defensive tackle in Jordan Davis, you traded up for in the first round who played 33% of the snaps. That just doesn't make sense. I think the Eagles are doing a disservice to both players. It, it would aid Jordan Davis's development to be on the field more. And you're going to get a better version of Fletcher Cox when you're not asking him to play 70 plus percent of the snaps. He's played more snaps, a higher percentage of the last three weeks than he did over the course of the entire season last year. He's a year older. You, you can't do that. So I think, Look at how they're handling Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham's playing like 40% of the snaps, and he's playing at a really high level. I think Cox can do that if they will let him do that. Yeah, I think I think the depth there is also uh, are also you know factors into it. And we didn't expect Jordan Davis to obviously be starting by this point, but we do expect him to to uh, to to start to inch more into the defense as the season goes on. The Eagles' defense with Jordan Davis off the field. Allows 5.94 yards per carry. With Jordan Davis on the field, 3.92 yards per carry allowed. Now you can chalk that up to early downs, you know, situations, whatever the, the situation is. But that tells me that Jordan Davis should probably be on the field for first and second down, <laughs> and then force them into third and longs, and then then you know try your hand, uh, try your hand there. One so of the problems with that though is how the Eagles are deploying Davis. So yeah. you've seen, you know, they they have the five man fronts and then the four man fronts. And odd fronts, even fronts, they're only allowing Jordan Davis to play in odd fronts. He's he's played exclusively as the zero tech, the nose tackle in those five man fronts lined up on the center. When they go to their four man fronts, I don't think he's taken a snap on the field in a four man front this season. And I don't know 
I don't know why they're doing that. It doesn't make sense to me. He's perfectly capable of being a one tech. So that's in the A gap between the center and the guard in those four man fronts. But it's becoming the, the coverage, the personnel, it just doesn't work because what the Cowboys did on Sunday night is they looked and said, is Jordan Davis on the field? And if Jordan Davis was on the field, they spread the formation out. And now you're in this five man front and it doesn't work like that they need to be more flexible so in the second half Jordan Davis played 12 snaps the Cowboys threw the ball on eight of those 12 snaps and they went seven of eight for 79 yards and a touchdown and I think you're going to see teams start to do that if Davis is on the field we know they're in a five-man front we're just going to spread the field and get the ball out fast and you can do that and so they need to allow him I hope it's something that they address over the bye week it made sense early on give the rookie an easy on-ramp but it's time to start building out his role on the team. Yeah, they definitely uh, gotta gotta figure out what's going on along the uh, along that front because, like you said, in a guy in Jordan Davis who used the first first round resource on a guy that you traded up for and tried to steal him from Baltimore, um, they, they, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to be be more of a force, and he does well in the snaps that he plays in. And obviously, you can't have Cox a la Chip Kelly days gassed on <laughs> plays that matter, and maybe Zeke doesn't score on that situation. So, uh, so I, I think Gannon is going to, uh, to have to figure that out. Uh, I do want to talk about the secondary, but since Gannon did just naturally come up in conversation, I'm trying to recall your stance on Jonathan Gannon, especially prior to the season. Um, your opinions on how his defense has been obviously very, uh, uh, very stingy on defense personnel has a lot to do with that. We'll get into that next, but what has your perception been? on Jonathan Gannon heading into the bye week. Is he a guy that still has some still has some things to figure out? Or is he doing what he was, you know, touted to do with his two deep zone schemes? I going into the season, I thought he was the biggest question mark on the team. A bigger question mark than Jalen Hurts even. Mm. Just because, you know, I didn't know. I wasn't impressed last year, but he didn't have, let's be honest, he didn't have the most talent on his roster last year. Uh week one. I did not like what I saw, the way that they played the Lions. Of course, it turns out the Lions offense is better than we thought. Mm-hmm. I thought he's done a pretty good job. There's times that I get frustrated with some of the things that he does, but overall, I think it's sort of just dialing in uh, what works. They know some of the things that work. It's just fine-tuning. Like I said, I would like to see a little less predictability in terms of their fronts. I, I really like how they've handled coverage. They They play a lot of match zone coverage, so they pass off a lot of routes. You saw that become a little bit of an issue when Avante Maddox went out and all of a sudden you had Josiah Scott in. And I think you saw it become a little bit of an issue when you saw Chauncey go out on Sunday night and you saw Kayvon Wallace come in. So that's something to keep an eye on. The more complex that defense becomes, the harder it's going to be if a backup has to come in. So we hope Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. But overall, I'm really happy with how the defense is played. If you look at like the DVOA rankings, they're really highly ranked but they are like 28th in variance. And so that's something to keep an eye on. They're, they're very turnover reliant, which is good that they're getting turnovers, but we know turnovers are largely luck based. And so if those turnovers start to dry up, you know, then we see what the defense looks like in those situations, but they, they've struggled against the run. I think they've done so by design because you would rather give up run plays than pass plays. And so overall I've been, I've been encouraged. I think the pass rush is a lot better than people have given it credit for too. I've seen a lot of slander on my timeline this week (laughs) of people saying the pass rush isn't getting home and all those things. I thought the pass rush has been pretty good this year. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I thought we were going to have an unprecedented streak of six straight NFC players of the week. And this man, Chauncey, got snubbed this week. He got snubbed for Tariq Woolen, who was playing very well, by the way, in Seattle. And was a guy that I really, 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 really wanted in the draft. And, of course, it doesn't happen. But Tariq Woolen with his – I don't even know what he – did he have one interception this week? Who was yeah, he even playing a, against? It was an interception, and a, he had a fumble recovery, too. They, they were I mean, playing against the Cardinals. Is that better than what CJ did? One one of the interceptions was tipped right to him, I guess. But the other one was, was for all intents and purposes, a game-clinching interception. My man Chauncey got snubbed. We were supposed to have six straight NFC defensive player or NFC players of the week, and it didn't happen. And I'm very upset about this. But speaking of CJ, a uh, very stout performance, kind of his coming-out performance as an Eagle, and he's made himself quit it with the defense very, very quickly. How do you think CJ was able to produce at his level after being with the team for what maybe seven eight days prior prior to the uh prior to the uh prior, prior to the beginning of the season and granted he had some rough spots to start the season and he's looked lost at times as any of us would when you get inserted into a system so quickly uh but what do you make of cj this far into the season and do you think he's one of these guys that are going to i think he's probably the first guy to get paid but what do you make of his future here as well I, I was a huge Chauncey Gardner-Johnson guy way back to his draft. And I have a habit every year. Of, I, I don't all, I don't peg all my draft takes right, but for some reason, every year I fall in love with a safety who falls out of round one and then gets drafted by somebody else and is really good. It's was been, it Jaquan Brisker last year? No, uh, it was Jalen Petrie this oh, last year. It, it's, been, was... it's, it's been a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. It's been Jeremy Chin. Um, yeah, well, it was Chin Justin Reed. Obvious yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, Justin Reed. It's always somebody. Um, so I was thrilled when they acquired him from the Saints and they didn't give up anything for him. I, I was cautiously optimistic, though, because he's only played four snaps as a safety prior to coming to the Eagles. And so he's been a slot corner. He's four total snaps? Guy. Yeah. He, like he in was his career? Yeah. In, in New Orleans, he never played deep safety. It was always in the slot or it was always like a linebacker. He Dang, never I thought he was back there a little bit more than safety. that. Dang. <laughs> yeah, he wants to reinvent himself as a safety because safeties get paid more than he's doing it. Box he's defenders. Doing it. Yeah, you and saw so, what yeah. these boys are getting paid. I would too. Forget this nickel money. Who wants that? <laughs> exactly. And his agent is going to be thrilled with those two interceptions because it doesn't matter that one of them was tipped and the other one was dramatically yeah. underthrown. He's going to pull matter. out the chart and he's going to say, hey, he had two interceptions from deep safety in one game. Pay this man. Um, I, I think 
and I feel like I've been on an island a little bit here with this because everybody's been enamored with him, and I, I love him being on the roster. I think he's struggled early in the year. I think uh, so too. I think so. He's too. not been the best tackler. He's never been the best tackler. He, he he will mix it up with you, but he's never been the best tackler. Coming downhill from deep safety versus being in the slot, it changes the angles. I thought his tackling and particular like his run fits have been pretty poor this year. And he's struggled in coverage some as well. Now, nowhere near as badly as like Kevon Wallace did. You could see a huge, oh, huge shouldn't even be on the field. I'm surprised in. he made the roster, to be honest. I thought Kevon yeah. was a cut casualty. How is he still here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I would put Blankenship out there as my safety if Chauncey goes down again. But but even you look at the picks, and I, I'd said that before the game, that I wasn't, you know, Chauncey hadn't played great, all those things, and people were trying to light me up a little bit about the two interceptions. Like, But one of them was tipped right to him by mm-hmm. Bradbury. Great play by Bradbury. Mm-hmm. The other one, Brandon Graham gets pressure on Cooper Rush. He hits him as he's unloading the ball. Thank God for Brandon Graham because that's a touchdown. Like yeah, That was gone. wide open, running down the sideline. If he's able – maybe Rush misses the throw anyways, but if he's able to step into that and hit that throw, that's a touchdown. Chauncey got bailed out by the pressure. Now, he made a fantastic play to track that ball, lay out with the injured hand. Like I love all of that, but I, I love him. And that's part of what makes me so excited for the defense, too, is I don't think he's played particularly great, but I think he's got the athletic traits that as the instincts start to catch up with him learning a new position, I don't think this defense is in its final form. I I think Chauncey will get a lot better as the season goes on. And if he does that, the Eagles should absolutely pay him and keep him here long term. Yeah, Chauncey, I think I'm in the uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with you that I think you've struggled in certain spots this year. Uh, there's definitely some plays you can highlight that he's trailing, that he's that he's not a <laughs> that he's uh, not, not all all there on the defense. So I, I definitely in agreement with you there. Speaking of, you mentioned Bradbury, another guy who has who has might be playing the best football of his of his career, and that's including his Pro Bowl season. If you encounter that with uh, Darius Slay, uh, now PFF has different stats. Obviously, I don't know if PFF is uh, is gospel to some people. <laughs> but Bradbury and Darius Slay against Dallas was 13 targets, four catches allowed. I had PFF has three, but that's neither here or there. Uh, four forced incompletions, one interception, uh, and, of course, a 12.7 passer rating allowed. Now, we all knew how great Darius Slay was. He's still doing it at 31. Cornerbacks typically fall off a cliff when you get into your 30s, so I don't know how Slay still mixes it up with the best receivers in the league. Then you have James Bradbury, who everyone thought was cooked, leaving Giants. I tried to tell people that Patrick Graham had him in a scheme that didn't play to any of his strengths, and that's why he allowed the most yards of his career. But Giants fans obviously weren't trying to hear that. And now he is playing at a Pro Bowl level in Philadelphia and is probably going to earn himself a very lucrative contract next offseason. Is, Shane, is this duo the best cornerback duo in Philly since Lito and Sheldon, and maybe even since Troy Vincent and Bobby Taylor for those people that are older, older than us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gotta be the, the <laughs> secondary has been such an issue for the Eagles for so long. And it feels like they finally got it right. And I'm really high on Avante Maddox too. You throw him in there. Like mm-hmm. I think the, the Eagles have the best corner trio in the NFL hands down. In my opinion, they're, they're playing at such a high level and Bradbury out of the three, Bradbury, I think, has had the best year so far. He's been so impressive. I think so, too. Yeah. And when we signed him, you hoped that it would be a competent corner, two, so you can keep – you know, you wanted him to be Steven Nelson, maybe a little better version of Steven yeah, Nelson. Yeah, a little better than competent that. Competent <laughs> CB2, and we're getting all pro CB2, and it's just incredible. The, 
And that's what gives the Eagles so much flexibility uh, on their defense is they've got two guys, three if you throw Maddox in in certain situations in the slot that you know can lock players down. Uh, I'm so sad that Avante Maddox missed the Cardinals game because I really wanted to see him on Brown and on Rondale Moore when they put them in the slot. I thought it would have made a huge impact on the defense, but they've got such versatility in what they can do. And it all starts with Bradbury coming in this offseason and being such a good pickup for them. James Bradbury thus far in the year after six games, he's only allowing a 41% completion percentage when targeted eight yards per completion has allowed zero touchdowns. And QBs have a 30.3 passer rating when targeting Bradbury. So when Slay takes away the best receiver, people have no choice but to pass to but to pass to James Bradbury. And we all see what happens when you uh when you do that. And I think they're pretty even and even targets now. It's getting to the point where people are like, maybe we have to throw it slay because we can't do it against Bradbury either. And it's it's a really, really good problem to have on the defensive side. And the only part that makes me sad to think about moving forward is like how are we going to keep all these guys because there is a long long list of free agents of guys one-year deals and guys that are on expiring deals that the eagles are going to have to figure out how to pay and uh how he is a cap wizard as we all know but i don't know how he's gonna figure it out on this one so shane i will run you down the list of the, of the players that matter that we could look to potentially pay and then we'll discuss who most likely stays and who most likely will be too expensive and who the eagles just probably won't even look to retain Ready for that? All right, let's do it. All right, so first on the list, obviously at age 33, is Fletcher Cox. He was brought back on that one year. I think it was $14 million, and that raised a lot of outrage. So we have that. Javon Hargrave is also uh, on an expiring contract at 30 years old. James Bradbury on a one-year deal. Isaac Siamalu, offensive lineman, is slated to be a free agent. Andre Dillard, as we all know, people are expecting how he – well, they were expecting him to trade him, <laughs> but now it's a, it's a good thing they kept him around. Kaiser White, very, very good this year so far for the Eagles. TJ Edwards, Boston Scott, Zach Pascal, Miles Sanders. Gardner Johnson, obviously on the uh, on the expiring contract, didn't get paid in New Orleans, looks to make big money as a safety in Philadelphia, and that's why he came here, and he's doing just that as of now. Gardner Minshew is gone after next year, so backup quarterback. <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. Hopefully they don't draft one in the second round. And then uh, Marcus Epps at safety. So there's a lot of holes to figure out. And if they win a Super Bowl, I mean, some some people might take some pay cuts, but I don't know about all those guys. So can you imagine what the discourse in Philly is going to be like if they haven't extended Jalen Hurts yet and they draft a day two quarterback? No, no. And (laughs) Jalen Hurts factors into it because if he keeps playing like this and he's eligible to be extended – after this year, whether it's the four years, 160, 170, whatever the projected contract is, that factors into it as well. And A.J. Brown's new extension hasn't even kicked in yet. So that's another guy whose money will be will have to be allocated for in the future. So of, of that list, Shane, I'll, I'll give you mine and then and then I'll let you. I only know of three guys as, as of right now. And if I had to guess, I think they keep Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I think that's a mid-year exception because I think they had some type of pre-trade agreement where, hey, if you you know prove us right, we'll be happy to pay you. So I think he's top of the priority list. I think Kaiser White probably walks because N'Kobe Dean is obviously in the chamber waiting. And as good as Kaiser White is, I'm not sure if they keep him around because him and Dean kind of do similar things. And then I think Badbury is just going to be outside of the price range. He's going to make top cornerback money next year. And I know he's older. He's proving this year that he's, he's still very much a top 10 corner in this league. Now, people will look at him being 
CB2 on this defense, but he's also proven that he can mix it up with, with the top guys as well. I think he's going to command a very, very uh, expensive contract next offseason. And I don't know how he's going to do that, especially when you have the draft ammunition that he does. And we're probably, I would pray to God, he looks at like Cam Smith or Eli Ricks or somebody in the first round with one of those first picks. So that's how I see it shaking out as far as Miles and those other guys. I don't know. We know how they value running backs. I don't know how it even works out for Epps and Cox Hargrave. Jordan Davis is there. Pascal, I, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you. How do you see, obviously, a very, very early look? How do you see, how do you see it shaking out for some of these, some of these players? Yeah, I agree with you on James Bradbury. I don't think, I don't think he's going to be in their price range. I mean, last offseason, J.C. Jackson signed a sixteen and a half million dollar average annual value deal to go to the Chargers. Uh, Shavarius Ward got thirteen point five million a year to go. How to old the are Rangers. these guys? Uh, Ward, they're both 26, both 26. Okay, so Jackson they're worth it. was a five-year deal. Ward's was a three. So they're younger. Um, Ward is not a better player than Bradbury. JC Jackson, I would have said was, but he just got benched uh, coming back off of an injury. So, but I, bottom line, Bradbury's 29, he'll be 30. He's probably looking to get that one last contract and cash in, that one last big deal. The way he's playing right now, I think he's going to play himself out of the Eagles price range. So I do think they're going to need a corner. Uh, you know, fortunately, that Saints pick is looking pretty good right now. They mm-hmm. might have a top five pick to go spend on a corner or a pass rusher. So I think Bradbury is probably gone next year. They're looking for a new CB2. With that, I think they'll keep Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Like you said, um, they have not traditionally valued safety enough to draft it or to pay it other than Malcolm Jenkins. But he is the same. He's not the same player. He's the same type of player in how you can use him, though. They haven't used him that way because it's a different guy running the defense. But I I agree with you. I think Bradbury's gone. I think Chauncey stays. With White and um, TJ Edwards, one of those guys is going to go. I think it'll be White uh, because, like you said, Nicobe Dean, you could play him as the middle linebacker, but he's better as a will, which is where White is right now. So I think that's a natural plug and play. So I think you keep Edwards, you let White go. At defensive tackle, it would not surprise me to see them keep one of Cox or Hargrave. Maybe Cox is willing to come back on a smaller deal as he's older, whereas Hargrave wants to go get a big deal. Uh, I really think Eagles fans should prepare themselves to take a defensive tackle in the first round of the draft, though. I can see it happening for the second year in a row. I don't need or that. or an edge or you could take a pass rusher. But yeah, give me that. Uh, who's the Eagles uh, are gonna, who's... the Eagles are going to invest in the trenches though, right? We know that. And you look where where is weaker? Is it edge or defensive tackle? Well, at edge they have Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, both of whom look really good. At defensive tackle, if you let those guys walk, it's just Jordan Davis. So I wouldn't be shocked. One of the you would figure one of those guys. I I would I would just, I would think that they would bring Hard Hargrave back just because Cox is like already on the. Like we're, I feel like we're lucky to be getting the production we're getting out of Cox at this point. Like anything we get is like house money, and I'm just like I'm happy he's producing at something. And the Eagles are fairly good about getting rid of players one year too soon rather than one year too late. So I think that's probably if we take another D tackle, I'm not going to be excited about it. But it's not about the sexy picks. Who's the uh the guy everybody's clamoring for? Will Anderson? What's he an edge rusher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean I wouldn't be mad at that, but I I need one of Eli Ricks, Cam Smith. I need. I need another corner in here. We missed a ton of them, a ton of them in the draft last year. I was a big Andrew Booth fan. You see what Sauce Gardner was always the pipe dream, but you see the stuff he's doing. 
and you really need to get a young corner in here because as good as Bradbury and Slay are, they are in their 30s. And it's not going to be fun when they fall. The, the cliff, the, the falling off a cliff, the decline does come in your 30s at some point. And thankfully, it hasn't been six weeks into the season thus far. So we'll keep an eye on that. And we'll also keep an eye on where that Saints pick falls. I believe it's top six, top five right now. Top six. Yeah, I think it's six right now. And they're not looking good. No, about, they're not. What about this? What about Isaac Samalo? He's going to be a free agent at right guard. What would you do there? You uh, well, you can't put Driscoll there because that's he. He seems to be the next man up. You can kind. He's versatile, but he's more of more of a tackle. I I I would think. Dillard's probably gone. You can't. You can't. Who's the Who's the Who's the next? Is Sue Opeta like the next guard up? Is that yeah. him? Yeah, you can't I do th- that. I think right now. I think right now, Jack Driscoll is the backup at right guard, right tackle. Oh. Maybe at left tackle. I, Dillard probably takes that back now that he's back. I don't know. I could. I, I don't think Sam Allo is going to command a big contract, and I, I think, think they so, like yeah. him. So I would like to bring him back. If they don't, I think they would probably plug Driscoll in as the starting right guard and draft a tackle that can be your swing tackle and maybe an eventual replacement for Lane Johnson down the road. So I can see it maybe playing out that way if they don't bring him back. Yeah, and they typically, you know, if, if they're going to pay anybody, it's typically the O lineman. And I don't see Sam Allo going out and getting this crazy, you know, crazy multi year, multi year contract. So that's that's a good point uh, as well. Speaking of Lane Johnson, the bye week did come at a, at a good time. What's your concussion protocol? So thankfully, so thankfully the bye week showed up, and and he should be ready to go. Uh, is Houston did he officially have a concussion? I I know he was removed under the concussion protocol. Yeah, I don't know what he has now. I just assumed he was in the protocol. I have no idea what he is now. But you know the way the NFL is. Every like you you just. You you tap your head on the ground as a concussion. Thanks to Tua, so like, they got to get him out of there. They got they got to they got to they got to figure it out. But he should be good to go for uh, Houston's the first. No, it's not Houston. Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh. it's Pittsburgh and then Houston. Houston on Thursday night, and then it's another kind of mini bye week there. So uh, man, I don't know when the Eagles lose their next game. It might be, I think, the first opportunity. Obviously, injuries and stuff happens, but it might be a Sunday night game against Green Bay. I think it's the first opportunity they might have to, to lose a game. And if it's not that Green Bay, who just lost to the Giants and the Jets and back maybe back. the Giants are next. Yeah. But I mean, it's Aaron <laughs> Rodgers at the end of this. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, and that's a team that you would think would figure it out. Let, let's play a game here. I'm going to read through the Eagles schedule. You tell me win or loss. Yeah. So we've got week eight at home against Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's a win. Doesn't even matter who the quarterback is. Pick Pickett's banged up, right? But Trubisky, I don't care who it is. They're, they're winning that game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Thursday night at Houston. Yes, they're winning that game. Davis Mills, right? Yep, Davis Mills. Then we go, uh, we host Washington. Unfortunately, Carson Wentz won't be playing. It'll be Taylor Heineke. Hey, Taylor's better. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, We should should win that game, regardless of who. Sam Howell might get the job by then, but it should be. uh, We should win that game. Then you go at Indianapolis. That's a win. They're horrible. So that's 10-0 right now. They should be 10-0, yeah. Yeah, and so you look at the schedule, like this, the Eagles are going to be favored in every game the rest of the way. They, the they don't the play a team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, barring something happening, but they should be favored in every game moving forward. Maybe maybe one of the Giants games if the Giants are still winning, but I still can't believe what the Giants are doing. Like They're not a talented football team. They've just oh. got an extraordinary coach right now, and, and the gimmicks are working for them. You have to assume that evens out at some point, but – I think it's very possible that the NFC East is going to have three teams in the playoffs. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson is serving them the win, like literally on a platter. Like they, he's he's handing the the Giants the win 
is the is the way that's happening. And man, what is it? Christmas, Christmas Eve, and the Eagles might have the division. Well, maybe not the division locked up by then because Christmas Eve is Dallas, right? Yes, Christmas Eve is Dallas, and then Week 17 is the Saints. Week 18 is the Giants. Well, they're they're incentivized they're incentivized to play good against the Saints for the draft pick, obviously. So even if they have have it wrapped up, the starters probably play for the draft pick. And then who's the final week? Uh, the Giants. Maybe playoff implications for the Giants. I doubt for the Eagles by then. So man. Yeah, I I hate. By the way, this is a, this is a soapbox of mine. I hate how the NFL does their scheduling. Why do the Eagles play the Giants twice in like five weeks? Yeah. It's just it's terrible scheduling. Just put. You play your three division games weeks one through three and week 16 through 18. Be so simple. Spread it out. I, I want to play the Giants now. I don't want to wait to play them until December and then play them again in January. I, I hate that. Yeah, they should spread out the division games a little more because uh, Washington is Washington has a pretty big gap. What was it week three? And we don't see them again until week whatever is it, 12, 11, 12. Yeah, they need to yeah. they need they need they need to figure out that. But everybody's complaining about the Eagles and their schedule and all of this and that. Hey, you beat the teams that are in front of you and we beat up on the good we beat up on the bad teams and we've actually looked impressive. Like the Arizona, that's a that's a gutty win. Arizona was a gutsy win. Uh Jacksonville in the rain and the weather. I think the good thing we'll wrap up on this. I think the good thing about this Eagles team and the is that they've won all of their six wins, in my opinion, have come in different formats. Whether it's been off offensive explosions, standout defensive performances like we saw against Washington. You you did it in the rain and in inclement weather. You did it when you got punched in the mouth against uh against uh can't remember. They fell down two scores. Jacksonville, right? Jaguars, you, got punched, yeah. you got punched in the mouth in Jacksonville. You did it on the road against a good Cardinals team. They they prove that they can win no matter what the circumstance is. It's not like they're winning the same way every single game. They're throwing different stuff and they're adapting and they're and they're they just continue to win, and we got a lot to uh, to thank to Coach of the Year candidate, Coach of the Year odds on favorite right now, Nick Sirianni. So, <laughs> man, yeah. I, I was told I was told by people that he was going to be a disaster because of his press conference. Seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great press conference. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't. it wasn't good. You know? Matt Lafleur also had a very bad press conference, but. Maybe Sometimes you get behind a mic and things just don't go well. And hopefully yeah. our listeners don't think that about this podcast. About but... This podcast is, yeah, I think we could uh, relate to that. But yeah, that about a wrap up this first iteration of the uh, the Eagles player analysis podcast right here on BGN Radio. Um, be sure to subscribe on all platforms if you're not already. Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, I'm sure BGN is everywhere else. So be sure to go subscribe to them. On all platforms, be sure to keep up with the uh, the post game reaction shows that Shane and I also make uh, appearances on. I'll be there for the uh, for the uh, Chicago game. Um, so Shane was in for the last one. So be sure to keep tabs on that. Shane, where can the people find you? What are your projects? Anything coming up regarding uh, the Eagles? I know it's bye week, so we have to keep ourselves busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, give me a follow on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL in my link tree. It links out to uh, my Chalk Talk podcast, which is a entire NFL show it focuses on the Eagles the first 20 minutes or so but we talk about all the games there um my YouTube is on there I put out all 22 videos I kind of clipped those up on Twitter too but they've got to be 220 or less so uh, you can follow those I'll be tweeting out stats clips all that sort of thing and generally just sort of catching my breath during the bye week uh, before I get back to it next week 
Yeah, man, you're a much more busier guy as far as real life is concerned than I am. So, so, so the way that you balance it all is commendable because you got family in the whole bit. I'm just here just on the on the grind every day. You can follow me, guys, on Twitter at the Philly Pod, Instagram, TikTok, all that fun stuff. Uh, as well, you can subscribe to my podcast at the Philly Pod. I'll be recording that immediately following this. You'll probably hear some similar things as you did on this podcast, but, but some fun stuff. Uh, goes on on that show as well be sure to go ahead and subscribe to that show follow all my coverage on the libertyline.com as well shane do you still write for for the painted lines or is that just like a podcast strictly thing for you yeah know? it's like 99 podcast i will put out an article every once in a while about like some special something like how should the <laughs> eagles how what's their salary cap look like and i'll kind of run all the numbers and stuff but yeah it's like 99 podcasting now Sounds good. Sounds good. So yeah, be sure to go listen to uh, Chalk Talk, all those things. But from myself, Victor Williams, and Shane Half, we'll catch you guys next week right here on the EPA podcast on Bleeding Green Nation. We'll catch you guys next time.